0: This is the Sales Gravy Podcast. I'm Jeb Blunt, best-selling author of Fanatical Prospecting Sales EQ, Objections, and Inked, and I'm here to help you fill up your pipeline, close bigger deals, and rock your commission check. We're back on the Sales Gravy Podcast. I've got Anthony Interino with me on this episode to talk about the asynchronous salesperson and these salespeople, that their only way of dealing with people, or talking to people, or prospecting, or communicating in any way is just email. And Anthony and I had a quick conversation because we were so irritated with some of the crap that we're getting in our inboxes, not just because it's irritating to get stuff that's useless, but because we love the sales profession and what we see doesn't make us proud of the people that we teach and the people that we hang out with. So Anthony, thank you for showing up on the Sales Gravity Podcast. And maybe let's start by walking people through your frustration and, and why you called me like You were on fire about the <laughs> stuff that you're seeing.
1: Well, it's a good thing that we're recording this because, I mean, normally one of us is upset about something and we have to call the other one, but they should always be recorded. You know, the thing about the asynchronous salesperson is there's there's a couple things that are, are really troubling to see. So the first thing is they're being taught and trained and developed in a way that they believe that they're allowed to have this communication where they send an email and then they wait for this person to respond to their email. And I I have one in front of me because this is just an example of LinkedIn, but you get it in your inbox as well. And it's the same thing. It says, hi, Anthony, I came across your profile today and was reading through your role. I wanted to discuss a few ways I think we can help you at your current company. Could I send you over some information and we can hop on a quick call? Below is my Calendly link. And then it's got his calendar link here as if I'm supposed to click and I know what would happen if I did click, I'll be disappointed that all of his his time slots are available on every single day because that that link is the loneliest link on the internet right now. It gets no attention at all because his value proposition is terrible. And what he's doing is passively waiting for someone to respond to him. And most of those responses are going to be delete. And some of them are going to be, no, thank you, we're, we're not interested. And they're not giving themselves a good chance. So the first thing is, is the, the asynchronicity there doesn't work at all. And the second thing is, is they're being taught and trained that this is what prospecting is. And it's not the way that we prospect. And it's not a modern approach at all. And it keeps people from being successful in this, in this uh, profession that we love.
0: I was working with one of my clients and the sales manager there said, can you talk to this one rep who had been at the top of the ranking for the, the, the previous year? It done really, really well. And he said his numbers had just dropped off the the chart. Would you mind just having a conversation with David and see what's going on? So I sat down with him and started doing a little bit of diagnosis and asked him about his prospecting process, his pipeline, that type of thing, because his pipeline was just empty. And he started Telling me what he was doing, which was he would come in in the morning and he would make a whole list of uh, out of the CRM, and then he would send emails out to all the people on the list. And he was using one of the marketing automation tools to do that. So push, just pushing these things out, and and I'm just looking at him. And he, when I looked at him, you know, he could see that I'm, you know, I'm like the look on my face is not a good look. So he starts <laughs> trying to defend it. You know, it works, but you don't understand it works. And finally I said, you know, I'm, I'm really offended. And he goes about what I said, I'm offended that you're taking a $75,000 a year base salary to do what a robot could do. And he goes, well, I'm offended that you would say that to me. And I said, I said, I said, you shouldn't be. I said, because here's the deal. If you keep doing this, I can spend $19 a month and have somebody do that. I can have that completely automated. We don't need you anymore. We need you to have conversations with people, to talk to people, not send email. It took a little bit of time to get his attention. I mean, I literally had to punch him in the face with the fact that he was going to get fired if he didn't start picking up the phone and having conversations. He's an inside sales rep. He's sending emails to everybody. And, and he went back to having conversations, and now he's a sales leader at this company. So it all worked out well for him. But you talk about people being taught this way. Who's teaching them?
1: Um, marketing. Uh, but certainly, the the chief marketing officer has some role, especially if they picked up. So, the one thing I want to say is the tool's not the problem; it's the way that the tool's being used. and And so, the idea that all you have to do is send an email and wait for somebody to click a Calendly link, you know, this is what salespeople are seeing in their LinkedIn box. This is what they're seeing in their email box. This is what they're seeing and watching other people do. And there's been a, a lot of, of, and you know this, there's been a lot of, of books and a lot of people who have recommend this kind of approach. And I call it the Silicon Valley ethos. It's sort of like you build something and you pour people into the top of it and you bang on them with email and you convert uh, them and then you take another list and you drop them through there. And and that might work in consumer, like a B2C play more than some other things. It's it's a marketing's, it's a marketer's view of what we do. But in in B2B sales, where you're gonna have to talk to the individual and you're gonna have to create that opportunity at the very beginning and you're gonna have to pursue it, it's just not an effective choice. And so a lot of it it just comes out of the fact that a lot of these tools were a solution looking for a problem. And so when the the idea of automated campaigns came along, a lot of these things were getting serious traction with marketing people because it looks like it can create opportunities, but it doesn't. Mostly it creates a a bad reputation for the company. It looks like spam and it doesn't do anything to position yourself as anything uh, more than just a commodity.
0: Well, if we think about the, the marketing point of view, most marketing organizations, you have one, I have one. We have marketing organizations. We use email in our marketing. So we we do bulk marketing. We have a newsletter. We send out emails with authors. But these are emails of people we have a relationship with. I have a relationship with a lot of people, but these are people who opted in and they want to get the email that we're sending them. And it's a completely different look. And I think sometimes the marketing, the, their their view of the world is, through through that lens, versus they go out to you know some company buy buy a bunch of people or they're creating inbound leads and then they're out just abusing those people with a bunch of transactional offers to hop on the phone with someone and have a conversation. And that's not to say it doesn't work. I mean, you do convert some people, but you're converting at such a low rate that again, I can hire a robot to do that. I don't need salespeople to have these type of, of email conversations. So I think that that's a, that's a, that's a a massive issue. And, and it's one of the, you know, we start thinking about marketing and sales and how we pull them together. I think first of all, that marketers have to recognize exactly what you said, the destruction that this behavior is doing to their brands.
1: There's no doubt it damages their brands and they're known for for spamming, and you know the—I I, want to go back and just say there's nothing wrong with the tool, but when you send your newsletter out and I get it, uh, you don't pretend that you're prospecting. You 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 don't believe that. And and I know I know your staff, I know your team, and I know you have a group of people who are on the phone making phone calls and following you know the the guidance that you've laid out in fanatical prospecting, which would help a lot of salespeople. But you don't pretend that any of those emails that go out in, in a broad fashion are anything more than marketing. And then you when you're pursuing clients, you have salespeople call them directly. And the reason that you do that is because it's more effective and it's it's synchronous. You're allowed to have a conversation with someone and engage them, which you can't do over email.
0: Well, and, and also the bulk email, my you know, I am sending out my newsletter, it's going through a completely different channel than one of these sequencing platforms, these sales engagement platforms is what they call them. And and that doesn't mean that we don't send out emails on a sequence because we do, but we default to the telephone. The problem is is that the salespeople are using a bulk email strategy on a sales engagement tool, which is meant to mimic a one-to-one relationship. So they're, they're prospecting and defaulting that way versus defaulting to the phone pick up the phone it doesn't mean that email shouldn't be in a sequence don't i don't want people to get us wrong we don't say there's anything wrong with email it's a problem that the email becomes the only way that you communicate so what i'm going to do is send you nine emails in a row and 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 one of the things i've noticed lately is that every once in a while i'll actually respond to one because it's good and then I keep getting the freaking emails because it's in some automation tool that they didn't turn off when when you know when I called them or when they talked to me or they connected me on social media, so we have to understand this goes back to marketing. These are two different things. A prospecting email is necessarily one to one. A bulk right. email is one to many, and they have two different things. Now what I'm dealing with real estate agents, financial advisors, wealth advisors, people that are in a high-level complex B2C space, the first thing I tell them is build your list. I do the same thing for consultants. I do the same thing for authors. Build your list, build your list, build your list, build your list. But those lists are being used for something completely different than the frontline salesperson who's trying to set an appointment for next Monday to have a conversation about moving someone into the pipeline. And I, and I believe that these two, these two disciplines are being mashed up and it's a really ugly mashup that's just pissing a lot of people off.
1: And I, I don't know why, but the, the thing that I would tell you, and and, you know, I like sequences like you like sequences and I think email has a place in it. I think it's got an important place in it if used well, but you have to start with the phone. Because if in fact, you can get someone on the phone and schedule that first meeting for next Monday, you don't need a sequence anymore, and you can get rid of all of the emails I mean you you can stop the sequence as early as possible, and I know that you and I both are aligned on this. I mean I would make multiple phone touches before I ever got to the sequence because I'm trying to pull I'm trying to pull results forward in time, so if I have to get thirteen weeks before I can make a phone call, and you and I had a conversation about one of your clients who had eight touches before they make the first phone call. Well, you're you're putting off that first phone call when that first phone call might have prevented you from giving up eight weeks. And I think for sales leaders, it's important to think that way. I'm trying to get the results sooner rather than later. And the phone is still the fastest way to get that meeting.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the whole point, right? Is, is and that's my point with, with salespeople all the time. Why are you trying to warm this up? Because this is what salespeople, well, I want to warm them up before I talk to them. You're still going to interrupt them, and it's still going to piss them off when you interrupt them. So why don't you just go ahead and interrupt them versus wasting all this time with a bunch of crappy emails that are going to piss them off anyway? Just call them. And and it, you know, when, when I'm in these conversations, especially with companies that hires as consultants, when we say it, like they it, they finally get it. Like It seems so obvious. But it's their emotions. It's their fear of making the call to an invisible stranger that seems to be holding them back. like they, The email allows them to put a barrier up between them and potential ob- uh, objections or rejection, but it's still the fastest path. I mean, if the statistical probability is that you have a 20% probability or a 10% probability of getting the person to on the telephone, I think the statistical probability of getting a response to an email is like 2% why wouldn't you pick the probability that's better? I mean, it's like going into a casino and there's one, you know, one, uh, game that, that pays out, you know, say at 20% and one that pays out at 1%. Why in the world would you get play the 1% game? You want know, to warm the 20% game up?
1: <laughs> I don't think it's going to work that way. I, I do think that you're, you're right. There is some fear of the conflict that comes with interrupting someone. But for, for the most part, that, that conflict is relatively minor. And and I would say if you've made a lot of phone calls and I've made, uh, I mean, I started my career dialing out of a phone book, so I made a lot of phone calls, you're going to bump into a few grouchy people and and that's just going to happen no matter whatever you're doing, you're going to bump into a couple grouchy people. That's how it goes. But no one's ever been harmed as far as I can tell from from making a phone call. Now, you might start off on the wrong foot with someone because they're grouchy for whatever reason you can still turn those conversations around. There is really nothing to fear from having to talk to another human being that you're trying to help because they're a little bit grouchy and they're a little bit miffed that you interrupted them. You're going to get a couple of those. But there's nothing bad that's ever happened to a salesperson because they made a phone call. And I mean, I made, I'm I'm sure I've made tens of thousands of phone calls, maybe more like you have. And I've yet to have anybody ever drive over to my office and punch me in the nose for interrupting them while they were doing something else, mostly they hang up and they go away, and you make the next phone call. But the other phone calls, a lot of them, uh, people are going to ask you, you know, w- w- what is it that you want from us, you know, and and what are you calling me about? And you're going to end up engaged with enough of them. And and I'm going to tell you that I I know, I've I've seen, if I've seen one whiteboard with the results of a call block from you. I've seen a hundred. <laughs> I know. Okay. So, so I've seen them all. So I know, I know what your results look like. I know what my results look like. When they get on the phone, they're stunned and amazed that in a half an hour of just straight dialing, without interruption, without their their internet turned on, without anything in front of them, that they got three meetings in in thirty minutes because they picked up the phone and they called with that intention of scheduling meetings, and they're always stunned and surprised. Uh, at how effective it is when they just pick up the phone and do it. And once you get through it, and here's here's my, my take on the phone. The first call that you make is the hardest one. And then the second call is easier. By the 11th call, you're not even thinking about it because you're in the groove now and you don't really worry about the outcome of any call after that. It's the first one. You just have to get started. And once you get started, it just gets easier and easier.
0: And it's and, and this is the myth of all the myths. And I think part of the reason why salespeople are so polluted with this send email, send email, send email. And we, when we say send email, LinkedIn in-mail is an email, essentially. It just, it's a direct messaging, but it's still an email. So is Messenger. So are all the different ways that you communicate with people in text. But the the thing that pollutes people is that... They tell them that nobody answers the phone anymore. I had someone post that on a comment. I had a whole lot of, you know, a lot of things about the telephone. And somebody posted, well, nobody answers the phone anymore. Then it was, it, you know, it was somebody who was an engineer or something, but it's still a myth. And a and a great example of, of just the easiest way to break through this myth is, you know, I train military recruiters. I wrote a book called Fanatical Mil- Military Recruiting specifically around this particular. Uh, discipline. And I'll never forget one of the very first trainings that I did. I had 90 recruiters. These are all n- uh, non-commissioned officers in a room. We were in Macon, Georgia. And they're, these are soldiers. They've most of them have been in the combat and I stand in front of the group and I'm in the middle of a fanatical fanatic military recruiting boot camp. And I give the order. You have 15 minutes to make 15 and set one appointment. And they'd all brought lists because I'd asked them to bring lists. And they started looking at me like I had lost my mind. And you know, these are these are like tough people. They start pushing back. You don't understand, Jeb. Teenagers don't answer the telephone. You don't understand, Jeb. It's nobody's gonna answer the phone this time of day. It's too early in the morning. We were dialing over. We'll wake people up. They'll be mad at us. And they had every excuse in the book. Mm-hmm. Now I had a massive, like a massive command sergeant major standing next to me who knew what we were doing. And wouldn't take anything off anybody. And he's standing there. So I'm feeling really confident that if somebody you know, tries to jump me, that he's going to get in the way. And I said, that's okay. We're doing this anyway. You have 15 minutes to make 15 dials, set one appointment. Go. So they started dialing. We're all in a room. They're dialing it up. They set, this. these 90 recruiters set, 136 appointments in 15 minutes. When we got done, you used the word, they were stunned. Right. They were just absolutely, they were flabbergasted. They even said it, I can't believe people answered the phone. And I explained to them, the reason that you're flabbergasted is because nobody answers a phone that doesn't ring. If you're not dialing, you got no chance. And we do this with military groups everywhere we go. We do these, you've seen my boards, because we count the dials. Everybody wants to tell you that nobody answers the phone, but it's complete and utter BS because there's there's a couple of things that are true. First of all, nobody's calling anybody because everybody believes this. So when you call, you stand out. And number two, everybody's carrying a phone around with them. Everybody has a phone, even teenagers. Like the, the teenagers don't answer the phone anymore. I mean, they do answer the phone because I watch them answer it. So I, I think that we, there's this poisonous myth out there of you know, I, I call them so-called experts. There are people who want to get attention that are that are pandering to people's fear of the phone right. and then telling them this lie that the greatest virtual selling tool of all time, the the the, the most powerful tool in your entire sales arsenal no longer works.
1: When it's still the best. I. So what people may not know is how close of, of friends we are. So uh, Jeb and I talk on the phone for v- very long, long enough times that his wife and my wife are concerned about our relationship at, at some level. Uh, and, and the part that you missed in that story that I know is that you told these grown people who were recruiting you're more afraid of a teenager than you are being in a war zone <laughs> and they said yes we are like and 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 they recognize that and and it, you just have to get through this it's just the introduction of a conversation with someone you haven't met yet and it is really you're not ever trying to do harm to anybody there's no one ever been hurt by somebody calling in and interrupting them if they were doing something important they didn't want to take the call they wouldn't answer the phone and you're not a telemarketer and i think a lot of the way that that group that you're talking about the the social only make no cold calls group they talk about b2b sales as if it's telemarketers calling people at home during their their dinner hours you're a business consultant helping other people get business results that they need help with like you're not you're not uh, asking them to fill out a credit card or a a political survey or something you're going to get meetings with people if you if you have a good sequence if you're using the phone first if you're trading value and if you're you're patient and professional and persistent and you've got some value to offer somebody that they believe is going to help them with with the results they're trying to produce i mean and that's what we do
0: well and i and, and if we just extend this further, it'll start talking about the asynchronous seller. We're, ta- we're talking about the hardest thing to do, is, which is prospecting, calling invisible strangers. It's tough. I get it. It sucks. Nobody wants to do it. Fine. But it's not just that. This tool, the phone, the easiest, fastest way to pick up the phone and call people. Why don't we, we, you and I don't like, we don't meet face-to-face. We've we met face-to-face, you know, a hand, handful of times, usually at outbound conference or, you know, we've done a couple of, of gigs together. We talk on the phone. I don't like get you on a video call. I can pick up the phone instantly. I got you on the phone. We're having a conversation. And one or both of us are in a car. Usually in a car, right. So (laughs) but the thing is is that if you think about salespeople, and I'm not saying I don't want to say most salespeople, but there is a lot of salespeople out there. And by the way, their leaders do the same thing and the people around them are doing the same thing. They got a they got a customer's got a problem, they send an email they they need to fix an issue with somebody they send an email they want to they instead of like calling a customer and saying we really appreciate you're awesome they send an email account managers instead of calling and talking to people and building a relationship they email it in and 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 you you look at all the things people do and sometimes those email chains can be forever and if you just picked up the freaking phone you just solved the problem
1: My businesses uh, operate under a phone-first policy. Like we use the phone-first. If we miss somebody, we leave a voicemail, we'll send a follow-up email letting them know we're going to try them back. But it's a phone-first policy. So we always use the phone-first. This client has a problem. They send you an email. You pick up the phone and you call them. Client needs your help with something. They've got some new opportunity. You pick up the phone and you call them. Their mobile number, their cell phone number is on their, their signature block. You pick up the phone, you call them, you send them a text message if you miss them, and tell them I'm standing by to talk to you about this. And you always start with the phone because it's the most effective way because it is synchronous. We can actually have the conversation, and again, we can eliminate um, hundreds of emails back and forth over something that we could resolve in 10 minutes on a phone call. And I I think that should be the the standard for everyone. Face to face is the best, but you're right. Phone is the first virtual tool and it's the most powerful. And it's the one that still allows you to get things done uh, w- without having to be face to face. But you do get to have the conversation. And, and that's all we're. Listen, I, I will tell you my view of selling is pretty simple it's conversations and commitments. I mean, that's it. So I need to have conversations. We need to commit to having other conversations. And that's the whole game. So, so that's how you, you, that's how you advance. Exactly. That's how you advance. It's a conversation. The whole the whole idea of a sales process or a buyer's journey, whatever you want to call it, it's a bunch of conversations. That's all it is. So why aren't you having conversations? And if you're doing something that's asynchronous, you're having a one-sided conversation.
0: And and you're not real. You're not a real person. So it doesn't make you human. And I'm a big fan of video calls. I'm a big, big fan of direct messaging. I'm a big fan of texting, and I like email. I've I've wrote a whole, I don't know, four chapters on email in virtual selling. So I'm, it, it, you know, I'm I'm not an anti anything. I'm like you. I'm an omni-channel person, but my go-to, just like you, is my default is pick up the phone, and as a leader. You said this, you know, this is your culture in your company is we're a phone first company. And as a leader, my default is pick up the phone, pick up the phone, pick up the phone, pick up the phone. When I'm when I'm having conversations with my people, I don't say, Well, did you email them? I go, Did you call them? And I always ask that question, did you call them? Have you called them? when when, when you call them, what they say? Well they and then I'll have a salesperson go, Well, I emailed them. And I go, Well, why did you call them? Like, I mean, this is this is a real simple thing. We need to solve this problem as so we move forward. Why don't you call them? well, we're waiting to see if we can get the contract back. Well, it's been a little bit longer. They made a commitment to get it to you yesterday. What did you do? I sent them an email. What me send them? Email? Why didn't you call them? So, I think that that if you you know if you're talking to leaders, the leader has to set this as the culture because right. I think it is human nature to avoid human-to-human conversation, even though we'll say, especially in a, in a virtual world, I wish I could speak to people face-to-face, but we avoid that for an email because it allows us to keep people at arm's length. So what's your message to sales leaders, business owners, CEOs, executives about creating a phone-first culture, a talk-to-people-first culture,
1: it, it's, it's a non-negotiable. So as a leader, you have to have certain things that are non-negotiable. And, and if, if somebody goes to email, the, the thing that they believe, Jeb, that's the, the problem is that they believe it's efficient. So they're like, well, it's very efficient to send these emails out because I can write it once and use it across uh, a whole host of people. Okay, well, there's some truth to that, but you're not trying to be efficient in sales. There's, there's no award for being efficient the only way that you get any reward in sales is for being effective. And so you have to choose the most effective medium for a conversation if you want to be successful. And so if you choose a poor medium, a medium that doesn't serve your outcome, then you're you're deciding that I'm going to let my people try to be efficient because they could send a lot of emails really fast by pasting it in and doing the same thing over again. But that's not what you're trying to do. You're not there's no reward for spamming people as far as I can tell. You're, you want them to use the thing that allows them to be most effective in engaging the client and having the conversation that's necessary to create the commitment to move forward one way or the other. Or look, to find out that it's not a fit and I can move on and not have to call this person anymore. We're, we're probably a couple years away from holograms. You know, and when we have holograms, you and I are going to be saying people need to be on holograms like they need to be on video and, and you're going to show up in their office and interrupt them. But we, we can't be afraid of doing what's the, the right thing to do because there's an easier thing to do when I, I don't get any conflict from my spam. Mostly people just delete it. Right. Or they send you something back saying we're not interested right now. So you're you're choosing something that's efficient, but doesn't produce any result. So if something that you do doesn't produce any result, it can't be efficient. It's 100% waste. And so most of these emails that are asynchronous like this are a waste of time completely because you never generated any result from it.
0: So let's just take a step back and let's talk to the seller. So there's people who are listening to this right now, and we need to... Send the message to them that the phone comes first and they don't actually know how. Like, you know, because there's people listening, they're like, okay, that sounds really good, but I'm so used to using email. Tell me if you had a group of people, let's just assume that we're in a room of, you know, say 10,000 salespeople, they're all listening to me and you and they're going, okay, well, use the phone first what what would you tell them to do getting after listening to this podcast immediately to to shift into a phone first mindset and 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 actually start doing it well like what would you what would what would be your advice
1: well you know I have a I have a method that I use for cold calling that I teach and you have you have one and I think that when when you look at what's available I mean pick mine pick pick Jeb's, pick Mike Weinberg's. I mean, fit, find one that you're going to be really comfortable with and that makes you feel good about what you're doing. And mine is just based on the idea that you're supposed to say no to me unless I trade you enough value to earn the right to have 20 to 30 minutes of your time. So I'm going to call Jeb and say, Jeb, it's Anthony Anarino. I'm with B2B sales coach and consultancy. And I'm calling you today because I've looked at your company and I've got an executive briefing with four trends that we think are gonna probably have the biggest impact on your business over the next 18 to 24 months if they're not already. And listen, even if there's not a next step for me, I'm gonna leave you with a slide deck and these insights. You're gonna to wanna to share it with your manager and I'll make sure that you can do that. And if there is a next step, we'll both know. What do you look like Thursday for a 20 minute executive briefing where I can share these, these trends and some of our recommendations with you? I mean, I'm, I'm just gonna to try to trade enough value that somebody goes, I'm interested in executive briefing. But I, I took me a long time to figure out that the thing that most executives want is some insight that they don't have, some perspective that prevents them from making a mistake. And so that's a very different kind of a pitch than calling and saying, uh, hey, Jeb, uh, is now a good time? Or is now a bad time? Uh, you know, and, and trying to figure out how to engage that person. Like, I know what I want on that call and I know that I have value to trade. But a lot of the calls that I get sound like, uh, Jeb, it's Anthony Annarino and I'm calling today cause I'd like to tell you a little bit about me and my company and share with you how we're helping your competitor get these great results. Uh, I was just checking to see, would you happen to have any time this week? And that's like, yeah, you, you don't, you're not even convicted about this meeting. Like you don't believe you belong there either. And so I can't give you a meeting cause you don't even believe you belong there. So you got to have something that's confident that you're confident enough in that you can trade enough value and, uh, and fanatical prospecting will get you there. There's no doubt about that. Uh, new sales simplified will get you there. Uh, art subchecks book, um, smart calling, super helpful. I mean, pick up any of these and decide what it is that you want to commit to and then start taking action because your competency comes when you do it and you practice it uh, long enough that you, you get meetings.
0: The piece of advice that I would give the people that if they were, we were sitting in the, in the room would be, like, just call somebody. Like, seriously, pick up the phone and call one of your existing customers. Call somebody that chose not to do business with you. Call them and ask them how they're doing. Get used to calling up and having human-to-human conversations. Prospecting is hard. The framework that Anthony just gave you works. That's going to be the hardest call you make. So once you make some easy calls, too? Just call people and have a conversation. I mean, just like one of the easy things you could do is build a list of all the people that used to do business with your company and aren't doing business with your company now and call them up and just ask them when the next time they're going to buy your your type of product. I, th- I think you have to just you know, think about the very next time you send an email, instead of sending the email, and there are po- times when the email is most appropriate, but instead of sending the email, pick up the damn phone.
1: When I when I uh, I tweeted something about the phone and a, a guy tweeted me back last week and said, "What happens when they they don't respond uh, to an email? What does my subject line look like when I send an email if they didn't take my call?" And I I, I said, um, "I'm gonna uh, I'm following up and I'll call you back again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Let them know you're gonna keep calling." And and some of this is is your persistence and, and the way that I describe it is you need a patient professional persistence. So I'm not gonna be somebody that just keeps banging away day after day. I'm gonna trade some value. I'm gonna give you some content that will shape your view of your business, whether you buy anything from me or not. And I'm gonna work on that relationship. Some some of these, if you know, you might be in a situation where you have a, a very short sales cycle, might be a week. Uh, well then you're going to have to push hard and make a lot of calls at the beginning you might be in a b2b sale that the average time to buy for the client's 18 months i mean you might have to do a lot of trading value and and be patient and try to help shape the lens that they're looking at that business problem through over time and emails very very helpful for trading those kinds of ideas and just giving them away to somebody so you start shaping the way that they think about these things so All of this is very nuanced if you want to be really good at it, but there isn't a substitute for using the phone first. There just isn't. If there was, uh, I would tell you, Jeb would tell you, all of our friends in the industry, they would tell you, like, we found a better way than the phone. But so far, nothing comes close.
0: I think that says it all. So you can find more about Anthony and read, he writes about a thousand words a day. So there's an article every day at thesalesblog.com it's an amazing resource and you definitely want to go there and check it out because I've never seen anybody that can write as much as Anthony can. Uh, Anthony, you also have three books out. So tell us a little bit about your books real quickly and which book, if you were going to advise people to to pick one book to start with out of of the trilogy that you've written, which one would it be?
1: Uh, If if they want to be really good at that kind of a pitch and an insight-based approach, uh, eat their lunch. Winning Customers Away from Your Competition would be the book.
0: So wh- why that book and, and and why is that book important for people, especially people who are doing phone prospecting?
1: Because it gives you a structure and a sequence for using email in the, the appropriate way and discovering the insights that are going to allow you to show up and help people uh, find a way to change. So the the principle in that book is, creating a compelling reason for people to change by giving them a strategic outcome and more value than anybody else
0: and and the truth is i think you you talk about this in the book is that in a hyper competitive world most of us most of us who are selling very few of us are selling into green fields most of us are selling into into industries where there are competitors who already have customers that we want so we have to call those customers and have a compelling enough message that they let us in the door because they're probably already happy with someone else to give us an opportunity to ask the right questions to make them unhappy to create a little bit of a, 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 a disruption in their world so that we even have an opportunity to sell it first and in a competitive environment like that you're going to get a lot of no's it's it that's that's the the truth about that particular world and I agree with you I think eat their lunch is a great place to start for for honing your chops for picking up the phone interrupting people and getting in the door.
1: All right. So then I get to talk about your book. Um, I'm holding virtual selling. My biceps are are getting larger from picking the book up and setting it back down. So <laughs> this is uh, how many words?
0: 85,000.
1: Okay. So most authors are lucky to get 60,000, but because Jeb is the superstar that he is and because he wrote fanatical prospecting and sales EQ and objections and uh, a, a title that he ripped from me, a book called Inked. Uh, no, I think I gave it to you. <laughs> it no,
0: no, no. You said, you said I was I'm thinking about it, Inked, and I went, oh, my God, that's <laughs> what I've been looking for. Can I have that? Please, Anthony, please let me have that title. I'll give you anything. My firstborn child, and I will. He, he, he's expensive, so I'll send him over to you. <laughs> but I, was, I, I did beg you for it, and you, you graciously let me have it.
1: All right, so the virtual selling, the, the way that I would describe this book to you is that we're, we're in a pandemic right now when, you're, when we're recording this and we're gonna be for some period of time. But even after this is over and we go back to face-to-face calls, there's enough people who have gotten comfortable now in a virtual environment that you're gonna be able to have more meetings with people further away from your location that you could have on a phone but they're gonna be more comfortable now with video. So in this book, you're going to learn what you need to do to be really good at virtual selling. And the way that Jeb describes this, and I wanna be clear about this because it, it does have a lot to do with video, but you're also going to use the phone and you're gonna get Jeb's best advice on the phone, text, uh, live chat, which is becoming a bigger and bigger thing as you know, Social media, uh, direct messaging, and text. So this is covering the whole gamut. It is uh, you. I, I think that this book is critical for salespeople now. And I would tell you, if you're going to spend the money to to buy a book to get better, uh, get this one now because it is going to help you with the situation that we find ourselves in, where people are still wearing masks and people are not letting salespeople come in, and they're trying to distance themselves this will close some of that distance for you because if you get the virtual part of this right you can do um, i'm not going to say as good as you can face to face but if you follow the guidance in this book you can get pretty close
0: thank you very much and that's exactly right so nobody's going to argue that face-to-face isn't the best way to communicate however you can create a very close facsimile to -to face-to-face that will give you a high probability as you say of getting the next commitment uh, along the sales cycle so fantastic! What a what a great opportunity to spend some time with you, and that was a wonderful love fest for books, which is one <laughs> of the reasons why our wives are a little bit a little bit worried about what we're doing and what we're talking about. As my wife says, "Are you on your phone with your girlfriend again?" That's what she always says when I'm on the phone with you. So, so uh have heavy thank you again. Thank you thank you for for, for spending time with us. I can't wait to get you show next time. And folks, I hope that you got something from this. I hope you'll go back and reflect. I know that we we rambled just a little bit as we went through the phone. There's a lot to unpack here and a lot to learn. And it, even, even me, you know, just thinking about some of the, the, the things that I did this past week, I probably could have picked up the phone and called someone. I bet you could, too. Anthony would probably say, say the same thing. As Anthony said, we're going to use his words to end this. Focus on the phone first. If you do that, you default to the phone. You're going to have more conversations. You're going to sell more because a fact remains about sales. The more people you talk to, the more stuff you will sell.